Hey there. How's it going? My name's Eric, and I work at Lowe's. If you're in the L.A. area, don't miss our spring gardening event hosted live by Jamie Dury from HGTV's The Outdoor Room. It's all happening at the Lowe's of Puente Hills on Saturday, April 9th, starting at 9 a.m. The first 500 guests receive a free tote filled with giveaways and great offers. Learn tips from vegetable and herb gardening to landscape design. Or view the event online at Lowe's.com slash webcast. That's Saturday, April 9th at the Lowe's of Puente Hills. Lowe's, let's build something together. See store for details. Welcome to Dream Reality, New Earth Radio, empowering you to remember the choice is yours. I'm your host, Dr. Dream, and this is our co-host, Ilya Nabutovsky. And now, on with the show. Welcome, everyone. Hello, Ilya. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, brother? I am doing so incredibly well. Is this exciting or is this exciting? I think this just might be exciting. (laughs) I stopped thinking about it because I am feeling it. I am absolutely feeling it. Now, the last couple of uh, shows, we've been uh, separated by a pretty big distance, thousands of miles, right? That's right. You were all the way in Costa Rica. And having a wonderful time and just feeling so grateful for technology uh, connecting us. And then, of course, last week's show, I was on an airplane and uh, couldn't be on the show, but but it really is about just this this whole, uh, you know, technology and connection and, and really leveraging it so, so we can make things happen and, and, and be out here in the universe having the impact that we, that we came here to have, right? Absolutely. And I love that we can just connect from absolutely any place on this planet. I mean, it's, it's just amazing what kind of technology and how far we've come to be able to do that at this point. Now, this was really a big build-up for the fact that you're sitting in the Dream Studios right now in Southern California, and I'm not. That's right. You are um, moving throughout space and time right now. I am surrounded by thousands of other Californians um, in in the, the the beautiful ritual that we we find ourselves immersed in out here, and that is the ritual of rush hour traffic. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get so, any better than that. It doesn't. It really doesn't. Or, or maybe it does when I get to the Dream Studios in a little bit. But we um, we have a very exciting broadcast tonight, and... Um, you know, normally I've got uh, an introduction that we have uh, worked up with the guest or that they have provided for us. And 
you know, my my feeling about our guest tonight just allows me to really freeform my way into introducing her. And uh this my my connection uh with her is so heart based. Um and all revolving around the person that she is and how she lives her life and how she has really chosen to step up to what her life is all about. And uh, this person has so inspired me from the moment that I met her and she continues to be an inspiration uh, for me in my activities and and in just the most beautiful gift from the universe. Um, we're actually having the opportunity to collaborate on some, some very exciting projects. And our guest, of course, is Laura Fox, who is the founder of Visionary Culture, which is really the umbrella, I guess, um, for all of her many and varied activities. Uh, I have had the opportunity to experience Laura as an event producer, as a panel moderator, as an MC. Um, she is also a workshop facilitator and an author. And uh, we are just absolutely, unequivocally, just thrillingly, swimmingly blessed to have her presence here with us this evening. Welcome, Laura. Thank you. What a fabulous introduction. Thank you so much, Dr. Dream. I was just remembering back to the moment we met in the elevator at the Conscious Life Expo. I believe it was two years ago. <laughs> I love that story. Yes, and it was just, uh, do you want to tell it? <laughs> um, I mean, if we were at the Conscious Life Expo, and I was headed up to... Um, someone's room that had an exhibit or something and there was this most intriguing energetic presence in the elevator with me um and you know i i I just couldn't help myself from from starting a conversation and connecting and when i got home that night um i had the opportunity to to research you uh some more and i was like wow i didn't know any of this when we were in the elevator but her energy oh my gosh and our whole experience, for me, has really been that way. You continue to amaze me by what you're involved in, and, and it's just like, wow, I never knew Laura was involved in this or that or the other thing. But it's your, it's the, the common thread in everything that you do and the fabric that you have, have woven, the rich fabric that you have woven is, is your beautiful, beautiful energy. Oh, thank you so much. Well, I feel grateful to many teachers and helpers along the way who helped me cultivate that energy and uh, be able to radiate it on behalf of all, including myself, as we uh, as we all shift it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> now, I want to before we get into all of your current. Uh, projects and um, you know where all your irons are in the fire. 
Uh, I want a little bit of background. Um, I mentioned that you are the founder of uh, Visionary Culture. Um, I don't imagine you just snapped your fingers and that came about one day. Um, you know, give us a little bit of uh, pertinent background to, to give us a feel for for kind of how you got to where you're at, and then uh, then we'll jump into all the exciting current mm, aspects of thank you. Thank you. So. How far back do you want me to go to start this story? <laughs> well, let's keep it to this lifetime. Um, I think that that would be <laughs> appropriate, although I'm sure we have shared many. <laughs> many, indeed. Many, many uh, rounds around the sun and many bodies, no doubt. <laughs> okay, thank you. Well, you know, Dr. Dream and Ilya, I remember, I remember connecting with Source at a very young age. I used to speak to God and, you know, these are some of my earliest memories, actually. And I used to surprise my parents with little, like, commands to the creator to do little things. And I would be, oh, yeah, see, and look, and there it goes. That truck moved, or whatever it was. You know, just, it was like a little child somehow recollecting this energy of being an extension of the creator in form, you know, without having those words for it, of course. And, you know, yet and still I dove into a culture and a and a body and a lifetime where, you know, there was a lot of dysfunction that caused me to get onto a healing path quite early. And I remember doing energy work on myself as a young girl. I remember actually visualizing a screen and raking it through my body, my aura, which I didn't know there was an aura. I just thought, you know, raking it through my body in my mind every night to clean myself. And then as a teenager, I remember doing things like um, I did a process called writing it out because I was trying to deal with the the, the uh, challenges in my parents' relationships and trying to heal from that at age, you know, 16 and something like that. And so, so that kind of stuff came naturally to me. And then I started doing energy work in my early 20s and embarked upon many different realms of study of all the different traditions. And then, in addition, um, you know, had some major experiences and attracted some teachers who, you know, had varying degrees of impact on me and activated me into some of my healing abilities, which are not really what I put out there all the time in terms of what I offer to the world, but I do offer that in terms of when, when it shows up as appropriate. And so basically I've been shamanically inclined for, you know, good, <laughs> you know, 25, 27 years at this point and um, love that, and that I think is the core thread of how I get to where I'm going with everything, is this ability to connect not only with the spirit and the source within, but a deep desire to connect and be in communion and communication with the earth, with Mother Earth, because clearly at this time, as we're awakening, we're awakening to all of these connections and to the important and necessary relationship of ourselves as stewards on the planet. And... So in terms of how visionary culture itself as an entity got started, I basically ended up going raw um, when about 10 years ago because of personal health issues. That turned those issues around, and I ended up leveraging my film background experience to help produce uh, the 2007 Raw Spirit Festival where it jumped from the 200 to the 200-person level in one year. And uh, I was production manager for that. It was a very profound year. It ended up birthing the Raw Spirit Show, at the end of which 
basically the listeners said, Laura, I'm sorry, you have to keep doing this. <laughs> they wouldn't let me off the hook. So I, I continued as Raw Inspirations Radio, and then simultaneously, there's always like two, there's always like these two tracks with me for some reason. I have the raw food piece where I've started things with Best of Raw, starting the Raw Trade Alliance, and then there's this other part of me which has been working on the inner planes to bring forth those materials and curricula that will be truly helpful at this time on the planet. And my prayer around the visionary culture materials that are in development and some of which are out in the world, such as Anchor the Dream, you know, has always been, thank you for allowing me to be of service in a way that actually helps, that is not from my ego, but is from a true collaboration with all parts of life and existence. So I did a four-day meditation and called upon the Creator, called upon Mother Earth, all of our angels and guides of the light who are truly in service to the enlightenment of humanity and all kingdoms of nature to assist me in birthing forth this material, which ended up becoming the Anchor the Dream experience. And Anchor the Dream is an experience, I'll give you the elevator pitch for that. Anchor the Dream is energetic activism into visionary shamanism into rogue theatrics to dial in new blueprints for Earth life based on the agendas of our own choosing, to shift the collective consciousness and save our own bus at the last possible second with the most fun ever just because we can't. <laughs> <laughs> and now this Anchor the Dream Experience, workshop experience, um, we, we can go more into that later because I know that's a mouthful, but basically there's a lot of segues between what you're doing now and this Anchor the Dream Experience. Basically uh-huh. that whole curriculum ended up creating an engine that I call collaborative visioning. And that's one of the books that's not yet out yet, teaching people how to deeply collaborate together on a visionary level, leading to action steps of implementation. And again, there's a whole lot in there. And so anyway, this was all going on simultaneous to me, you know, while I was teaching about and Rod Grayson. And so one, I finally realized that I had a larger container than just the raw food. So I created Visionary Culture Radio because I, when I asked, you know, what is this? Well, it's about the visionary culture, you know, this, all these things because we've also coined the phrase visionary stewardship. We're helping people to become visionary stewards. And um, so I finally released the name Raw Inspirations altogether and now use the name Visionary Culture as the overall container for all of these things that I'm up to. I love it. I absolutely love it. And you really have kept yourself incredibly busy with everything. Well, that is indeed the truth. Sometimes I think of myself as like God, I think I'm I'm the manifest I'm God's manifest ability to get things done on the earth plane. That's like one of my job titles, I suspect. <laughs> and then, there's I, a, there's a real there's a real knack to doing that. You know, they, that that old saying, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. Yeah, exactly. And for whatever reason, I have been graced with the ability to to see multiple things simultaneously and to see the larger picture of what needs to be done and um, to have an inspiration to do it. And I think the reason that I'm so inspired to do so much is because I have actually turned it over to the degree that I have been graced with a with an awareness of the priority structure that we're currently immersed in. And I've been in, immersed in that for quite a long time. And I 
I mean, I kind of know what time it is, and I know what's up, and I know what we need to do individually and collectively in order to sh- turn things around on the planet. And I feel like it's a crucial time, it's a joyful time, it's an amazing time. And are there action steps required on behalf of humanity? Absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, I'm one of these, like you, you know, a midwife to us getting together, collaborating, and taking these action steps collectively that we're going to need to shift our consciousness to the higher vibration, you know, more permanently and uplift all the rest of our brothers and sisters and actually also be able to do that on a physical realm, day-to-day action step um, manner that's going to get the things done that need to be done to shift the consciousness. Hmm. I have uh, have a question. Um, Go ahead, Elia. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, just wanted to kind of you know uh, see what you know what action steps from your perspective you know you feel should be taken you know so that we could raise the vibration and assist our brothers and sisters you know in this time um, because everybody has you know their own version of action and things we need to do so I was just wondering you know what your view on that is. Sure, thank you. Yeah, well, I think, A, I would qualify that statement by, you know, were we to drop in with any given individual group or organization, we would assist in midwifing in specific action steps to that particular group, individual, or organization at any given time, of course. And there's methods and ways to do that very specifically that address what those beings need at that time. And then in general right now, um, what's coming to mind immediately in response to this the question is the most important thing we can do on the inner plane. I might want to answer it in all four bodies, you know, from a visionary perspective, from a, a mental, you know, logistical perspective, from a passion and emotional feeling, love connection level, and from a grounded earth plane level. Would that be all right? Oh, absolutely. Because on the visionary level, and I think that the most important thing is to remember that all is well, and even when it doesn't appear to be so, and that, in fact, we knew before we came here that we were coming into a time of great change, that a planet was going to be undergoing a great shift, that there would be a lot of upheaval, that we would have to be dealing with our own personal karma as we decided to come back into the earth plane, and that this would be a part of the process of awakening and understanding humanity and where it is now so that it can, you know, so that we could be the energetic vibration of of willing change from within the perspective of what needs to be changed. If we were just to download ourselves in all of our galactic glory, bam, you know, into the earth plane, we'd be like, what are these humans worried about? Why are they so sad? Why aren't they healthy? You know, it wouldn't make any sense to us. So we had to dive in. We had to experience the different traumas and the different things that we have have experienced so that we can be of better service to ourselves on our own spiritual soul growth path and on, you know, and for those around us so that we can be of assistance. And so the most important thing is to remember that all is well. You are here to hold a high frequency of vibration. The distinction between putting your head in the sand and ignoring things and focusing upon what you really want is a very, 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 very important thing to understand at this point. A lot of people worry that if you're putting your head in the sand, you're not going to, and you're just focusing on what you want, then you're not going to deal with what's real and true. And I think that there's a double-edged sword there that we need to really be aware of. If we aren't aware of the contrast, 
if we aren't willing to look at the action steps and to do items that are necessary to take us from one place to another, then we, we might very well miss a lot of opportunity to shift things. And the trick, though, is to use that contrast around us and when it upsets us, turn it into action steps. You know, think about what we can do to turn it around and think about the opposite. If it's, it's like radiation, for instance. You know, let's think about what is the outcome that we want instead of, you know, what's happening in Japan. What do we want to see, feel, and know about about what space we could hold for, for the Japanese at this time for the healing that they're having. So to to exemplify this further, there's a book called Strega Nona. Um, Strega Nona means grandmother witch. It's a children's book. And in this darling book, grandmother witch says something very, very important for those who who can hear it. And that is, in order to do magic, you must see and not see at the same time. Hmm. And so, <laughs> yeah. So the most important thing we can do at this time from a visionary perspective is to learn to see and not see at the same time. Does that make sense? <laughs> yes. So it's like it's... attachment and not attachment. Attachment and non-attachment, yes. That's one level of it. And it's also like in our visionary reality, it, it, if somebody comes to you to be healed, you're going to have to be aware that there's an injury. You know, that's your starting place. Yet to hold the space where that person's embodiment can be restored to its fullness and wholeness, you have to see them as completely whole and well, minus the injury. And, of course, you know, when you, it's like, don't don't focus on the elephant on the ceiling, you know. It's like, <laughs> where's your attention going to go, right? Right. So, but, yeah. So, on a large scale for what's happening on the planet right now, I would encourage us to not get too worried and bogged down about all the things that there are to worry about, because there are, are a lot. And it would be easy to sink into depression and, you know, feelings of uneasiness and worry and concern which is all completely and totally normal, and to allow those feelings not to repress them by far, um, yet to remember what we are doing, the manner in which we are energetically designed to shift things is through the love frequency, the gratitude frequency, and the higher vibrations of pure divine light. And so as we allow those to emanate from us as our primary vibration, we are helping to break up those other patterns which are causing that concern and that worry. Now, in order to do that, it takes a lot of discipline. It's not just, you know, the beings who are listening to this call and the beings who would resonate with this type of thought pattern and thought form, you know, are going to be very advanced light worker beings who are here on the planet to hold a higher frequency. That's what we're doing. We're frequency modulators. We do we've dove way, way into the dense form and then we're rising way, way back up to our high spiritual heights where we're used to being in order to create a bridge we can modulate between. And now, at this very moment, we're being asked to really stretch upward into holding the higher frequencies. And uh, so that's what takes a dynamic dance in daily life. Mm, that's very beautifully said. And I love when you mention uh, the part about the bridge, you know, being able to relate to you know, both worlds, maybe being able to relate to the light workers and, you know, the star seeds and at the same time being able to relate to, 
you know, the everyday person, um, so as to, you know, build that bridge and, you know, assist our brothers and sisters in raising our, in raising all of our frequencies in that way. Absolutely. And keeping in mind that we have bigger brothers and sisters who are helping us to do that very same thing from their place. <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and goddess. <laughs> and so from a mental perspective, that was a visionary perspective, the mental to-do list right now, I think, is to be very smart, to access, to really put our thinking cap on, and to become very, 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 very aware of what's going on around us, and to become practical, to become practical visionaries. And when you start receiving the downloads about what you're going to do specifically, to start to allow yourself to really put that left brain divine male energy in to to think through your plans and also to think about you know think about what is going on in the world like think about the economy and how it's structured think about you know the history the actual history of things like uh, um, how the economy got started in this country these are very important things for us to know about right now and there's a lot of resources out there in the sovereignty movement and elsewhere that have to do with helping us really understand the legal nature of what has happened to us as individuals in this country and what we could do to kind of, you know, reclaim our sovereignty and our power as individuals. And, you know, what does that mean in terms of economics? So I would suggest that we think about about economics and start understanding that economics and ecology colonomics, <laughs> you know, that they have the same word in the beginning of them, and to start to reflect upon how how nature works as the original source pattern for our economics and our commerce, whereas we've imposed a false structure, a superimposed man-made structure on top of how nature works, which works more on limitation, whereas nature works on abundance. So I would say that we ought to be thinking about that right now on the vision, on the mental body side of things. Absolutely. I completely agree. Um, and Dr. Dream, you wanted to ask something in the beginning. And um, so I, I wanted uh, I, I want to see if you still um, had uh, had the question uh, and you wanted to ask it. I appreciate that, Ilya. Um, are, I, I'm going to let I'm going to let uh, Laura continue with where she's at and then I then I've got something. OK. Awesome, guys. Good teamwork. <laughs> <laughs> and so from a passion and a emotional level at this time, I think the most important thing is for us to honor our feelings and honor what's coming up and welling up inside of us around any any um, surprising energies or emotions that might arise in any of our relationships or situations in which we find ourselves and to really just allow it to flow, to not repress it, not be afraid of it. It's a distinction between, you know, we don't want to repress it. We also don't want to wallow in it because, again, we want to harness our vision back towards what's desired. Yet a lot of times there's energy stuck in the, in the emotional body that needs to move. And so allowing this energy to move as it arises and acknowledging it when it comes up in our relationship and interactions is really important because, if you get really angry about something or if you get really upset about something, 
if you really dive into the feeling and allow it to express, you're likely to come out with the gem of what is the soul learning or the understanding under that deep, deeply buried feeling, which energy and motion, emotion, you know, it has, it's our energy. So allowing that to flow again, it got blocked and stuck in there because we, we got repressed in some way at some time, most likely, or, you know, something happened that limited our ability to see the fullness of who we are and it stuck that energy in our body. So it's very important to let that move and let that flow with a lack of judgment, to love ourselves completely as that happens. And then also on the relationship, connection, emotion side, to really understand and acknowledge that our relationships are our greatest resource, period. That's, there is no greater resource than our connection with each other, relationship with the earth, and all that is. Yes. Exactly. And um, just to add a little bit onto that, you know, um, you know, everybody talks about oneness and we're all one. But, you know, in order to experience what that is, we have to, you know, experience separation and you know what it's like to be in relationship to something else to go back to that oneness. So I, I'm totally in agreement in agreement with that. Absolutely. Yeah, that beautiful connection. And, and, and thinking of resources, like somebody mentioned, my dear friend Myra mentioned the other day, when I mentioned the word resource, you know, the earth is, is you know, we think of it as a, you know, the place where we get resources. But, you know, she's a being. She's a being, and we have a relationship with her. And if we resource ourselves, if we, if we go to the source within and connect with her as a being, then she will provide everything that we need and what we need and desire to be healthy and well may be a lot different than what we've pro- been programmed and conditioned to think we need what we need. <laughs> yes. And um, we are abundant already. We already have everything that we need um, at this time. It's just, you know, it, it's all about understanding and recognizing the abundance and focusing on the abundance as opposed to focusing on, focusing on the lack. Exactly. Yes. Now, Laura, um, talk, speak to that a little bit more, what you just said um, about uh, the earth energy and, and, and how that works for us now with all the changes going on uh, and, and the, the reflection that that is. Yeah, absolutely. Well, literally, that actually leads into the, the next, body, the physical body, and, you know, what I feel at this time is most important for us generally to do, and that is sit on the earth. (laughs) Go outside and sit on the earth. Take your shoes off and connect with that energy, that being that is the mother, literally the mother or the parent, however you want to look at it, of our physical body. That being the earth, this planet, provide, provided the body itself out of its substance. You know, it's also cosmic substance, so it's beyond earthly substance. Everything is made of what I like to call mana or stardust or cosmic ormus. So, you know, connecting with the center of the galaxy from the top of your head, connecting with the earth from, from your root chakra and your feet all the way down deeply into the core of the Mother Earth and just feeling what that feels like to open that circuit again. Because as Ilya was saying about the separation, part of what has happened to us in the separation is that we've caused ourselves to become disconnected from the earth. And she will guide us 
she will feed us. She will help our bodies be safe, and she will help us know what's good and what's not good for, for our physical form if we will let her. And, for example, the food from her table, the raw, uncooked foods that are easy to access in the plant kingdom are really what's going to rejuvenate our bodies and restore us. And at this time, it's important to ingest that and to follow that guidance about, you know, what to ingest for your own task. Um, does that, do you want more? Or <laughs> well, I just, I, I think where I'm headed with this is that uh, in society, how we've really lost our connection or yeah. or... Yeah, really lost our connection with this, with the Earth energies, and and now so many in the population looking at what's going on with so much fear. Yeah, and that would be natural, wouldn't it? I mean, it's scary stuff, you know. Like in other words, not to beat up on ourselves because we're feeling beat up on. <laughs> Right, and I guess just just how you know how to sort of weather these times. Interesting choice of word yeah. Um, yeah. to 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 really be able to go with the flow and 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 maybe not not so much. I mean, maybe to be supportive of the process because. There, there's certainly a process happening right now. Whether we can fully understand uh, how it's happening, it, it's going to happen with or without our understanding of it. And so, kind of how to how to support it. Yeah, totally. Well, literally, you know, this might sound, you know, too simple, but the truth is, take your shoes off. You know, go walk on the earth, like touch the planet. Your body is electrical. The Earth's body, believe it or not, also has an electrical aspect to it. The cosmos and the energy of the cosmos has an electrical aspect to it. And all these things connect. And just imagine like a man and a woman making love, for instance, you know, or any time a person holds another person's hand or a baby's born. There's a physical experience, but there's also an electrical and energetic experience. And this electricity and this movement of energy also contains information. So as you sit on the earth and allow your energy to flow down and interface with the energy of the planet, then what the natural, you know, flow and cycle of life, because nature is all about flow. Um, the, the natural flow is going to be that that energy is going to come back, the earth's energy is going to come to you. And then sometimes we'll get information directly as like a flash of oh, I need to move to the city, or I shouldn't drink that water anymore. Or, you know, some people are knowers, some people are seers, some people have to will hear guidance. You know, some people will see a picture of a guidance. But, you know, as we connect literally with the planet herself, we will begin to get the information that we need to keep our bodies safe at this time. And truly the way that I look about it is as long as I'm necessary here, in this unfoldment of this process, as long as I can be of service um, and and I'm paying attention to the feelings and impulses in my guidance, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna be here. And when it's 
time for me to go, I'm going to go. And, you know, my preference is that that's an easy and graceful transition <laughs> and, you know, and that it that I'm an eternal being. I'm an eternal being. My body is impermanent, or as some might say, maybe impermanent, you know, but the larger body of life itself goes on forever, as does our, our spirit or our soul. So that can also help to release some of the fear. So the combination of literally connecting with the earth, and again, also with your guides and angels. Like When I come into counsel or to speak or to do anything of great import, you know, it, it, I call in all of those levels because, as we're saying, too, this is a time of collaboration. We're shifting from the solo lone wolf era to an age of working together. So that means not only with our human brothers and sisters, but with the planet herself, with all kingdoms of nature to inform us, with all the galactics and angelics and beings of light who are assisting us, and with our source, creator, with the divine masculine and divine feminine. And when we bring all of these components of life into, you know, the animal kingdom, the human family, the highest good of all be done, when you bring all of these beings and when you ask everybody to inform you and to collaborate on what is the highest outcome for all, is that you've included all stakeholders, so you've got access then to a more refined and possibly easier to manifest um, field of energy that will begin to trickle into your consciousness as a desire or an impulse to do this, that, or the other thing. Does that make sense? Oh, my goodness, absolutely. What a beautiful, energetic perspective to to hold and to be with. And, and just hearing you express this so eloquently um, and then just thinking of all that you're involved in and everything that you're doing, it it, it just allowed me to connect even more dots about about how everything works for you, and it really is about you being so conscious of of what's needed and where and the role you play and 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 uh it just allowed me to materialize this deeper um thought or uh feeling about about what inspires me about you um, <laughs> i i just <laughs> I love it. I'm sitting here going, wow, that's really just rich. I'm so glad this is recorded because I'm going to listen to that one again. <laughs> Thank you. But it yeah, is. It's, well, you it's, we're, we're just barraged with so much that promotes fear and and so much that has the opportunity to let us slip into a place of being disempowered. Um yeah. And, and and how you put it and, and, and what you said. And, and so it's just how you're flowing in this, you know, the cosmic dance of all of this. Um, and it makes sense. It just makes sense. Hyperlogical. Hi- <laughs> <laughs> Intuition is hyperlogic. It's just logic accessed from places that are bigger than our brain can contain. <laughs> Now, I imagine this this concept of uh, visionary stewardship plays plays into this directly, right? Yes, absolutely. And it has an additional, you know, whole slant to it. So a visionary steward, if we're going to be visionary stewards, 
then we would leverage the power of our thoughts, words, visualizations, and actions toward stewarding the planet. The word steward feels better to me than the word dominion, like stewardship, as opposed to, you know, the way that the word got translated dominion in the scriptural realities, I feel less entire cultures feeling as though the earth was theirs to to plunder and that the animals were theirs to plunder and, you know, that even people were theirs to plunder. And so a simple shift in the in the use of the word from dominion to stewardship is important in and of itself. And if we're a visionary steward, then what we're doing is we're beginning to take what we've been studying from The Secret and Joe Vitale and Abraham Hicks and, you know, Ernest Holmes and um, all the great masters of reality creation, Catherine Ponder, Neville, you know, you might have studied these guys as well. That was my main point of study before I, you know, for 15 years I was deeply immersed and studied reality creation and that's what led to Anchor the Dream because my, my question was, well, okay, thank you for teaching me that I could manifest a Rolls Royce if I wanted, you know, or a new house or this or that. But there was something itching in me, you know, there's a higher priority structure. We need to be using the power of this on behalf of the planet and humanity at this time. And not only that, but, you know, how how important is it for us to collaborate at this time? So with these two concepts in mind, collaboration and doing reality creation on behalf of the Earth, that's how this body of material and these words were, were coined and, and birthed. So a visionary steward would, for example, take, like say you wanted to, to create a visionary stewardship group and you had 10 people. You would maybe do a meditation where you call upon all your guides and angels, source, divine mother, divine father, the Earth, all kingdoms of nature, the animals, the human family, and the highest good of all, and your own high self, and then you would divine together which parts of the planet each of those ten people were going to steward in their visionary daily prayer and meditation life. And then one person might be, I'm taking the oceans, okay, I got the animal kingdom, I got the forest, I got the humans, you know. It could be any, it could be a really large vision that you want to hold or, or it could be the tiniest one. But if we got, you know, 100,000 people adding in a portion of Earth life to their daily visions as a visionary steward, seeing and feeling and knowing that that kingdom, that area of life is absolutely healthy, completely robustly filled with all that it needs, flowing and free and clean and that pollution, you know, visualizing it diminishing and finally disappearing altogether. You know, any of us who've studied reality creation, we know that it works and you know, um, what do they say in A Course in Miracles? There is no order of difficulty in miracles. And so what that means is that as we begin to really leverage and access this power that we have as extensions of the creator and form toward a visionary stewardship of the planet itself, we can have an energetic and additional impact far greater than we might have ever imagined. And it will have an impact in ways that we may not ever personally see because as vibration goes through the collective consciousness, you know, it, it moves invisibly. Just as the negative thought forms have impacted humanity and changed things, so will these new positive vibrations that we're putting out. And if we spend five minutes a day visualizing clean oceans, that's going to 
that could mean who knows that might inspire oceanic researchers around the world on the interplane that might just be the thing that gives them that little bit of extra cosmic juice and guidance to push them over to the edge into some ocean cleansing technology wow i love that and so one of my dreams has been to have a, a website for visionary stewardship where people could you know um um, you know, go and post these visions and take responsibility for these things. And I, I want to manifest it. And with my manifestations, I have <laughs> I've been so busy at doing so much of it singularly, even though I'm wanting to head toward collaboration, it's just been my reality, having, you know, not having the personal bandwidth to make all these things happen. So it's really exciting to be talking to you about it because perhaps we can figure out a way to take it to the next level and manifest it for people. Well, you do have this ability to uh, really connect people and, and uh, you know, obviously to be able to to express things in a way that um, that, that makes it easy for everyone to, to understand. Um, yeah, so uh, it, it's kind of the tip of the iceberg now, and we're all being called forth. Uh, to do this, and certainly, uh, you know, in our own um, projects and different things like that, Ilya and I are seeing a lot more uh, call to collaboration uh, and people uh, joyfully stepping up to uh, co-create um, in the most beautiful uh, processes with us. And so, uh, you you've really laid the groundwork uh, for this to happen. Now, talk a little bit um, or speak to us a little bit more about Anchor the Dream. Sure. Anchor the Dream is one of my passions in life. I actually grew up in the theater. Uh, My mom and dad both worked at Virginia Museum. My mom was in the theater department. My dad was the director of, curator of photographs and director of publications. And uh, so I would go... And become, I would be hanging out backstage at different plays and watching how that worked. And I would also be in place in minor, very minor roles. Um, but you know, that, I was always very shy even then. And my work, you know, as becoming taking all this stuff out to speak and prayer and guidance for releasing that shyness, you know, eventually worked obviously. <laughs> and uh, anyway, the encouragement for Anchor the Dream, you know, came through in a four-day meditation where I literally sat with the guides and the earth and asked what I could do to help that would actually help and not just my ego thinks it's going to help. And so the process that was birthed has to do with bringing together, um, let's say, it could be anywhere from 10 to 100 people who would then break up into, depending on how much time you have, you would move into varying sizes of groups. And um, you, you wouldn't move into those groups, though, until you had painted the picture of the state of the world from the perspective of that group at that time. And from that painting, you would then discover which people were most passionate about which issues. And that might be that they are passionate about it because they're angry about it or they hate something or they see these wrongs in the world and they want them to change, or it might be that they're overjoyed about a possibility in some arena. It doesn't really matter where you're, you know, the... It's just where's the energy. That's what we're looking for, not putting a judgment on the energy. 
And then from that, they would move into groups, like-minded groups, and the topics that, like, say there were eight to ten Anchor the Dream players that end up in each group, you know, then that group itself, all those ten groups would then take their their common topic into a visioning, a shamanic visioning experience where they would again call upon the guides and angels from the earth, and I would lead them in a guided meditation to do this. And then they would birth forth individual visions about what it would be like if if this vision were to come about in all of its expanded, most ridiculously fabulous, you know, most advanced possible glory. And there's a form that came through to help people really get to that, you know, the, the most far out amazing possibility of this topic and a manifestation on the earth for that. So once each individual digested what they received, they would share it in a circle together and then collaborate to create a, you know, somewhat rehearsed and somewhat spontaneous because they don't usually have a lot of time at that point. Sometimes it's fun to do an Anchor the Dream over the whole weekend and then you've got more time. Sometimes I'm asked to do it in three hours and 15 minutes, you know. <laughs> so it <you laughs> depends on the arena. And then they would they would rehearse this drama and, and then they would take turns playing the dramas back to each other because what we know from reality creation is that what we think, feel, especially feel, uh, know and see to be true, what we put our attention on, especially with energy, comes to be. And any of us who've done prayer work or, you know, any kind of reality stuff, we've all had varying degrees, I'm sure, of success in manifesting things. Like whether it's you saw yourself getting into a perfect parking lot or you manifested the exact home that you wanted or you had some success in your career that was on your storyboard, you know, I'm sure all of us have one or two at least, maybe more, experiences where we really focused our attention and got those things that we wanted. So again, there is no order of difficulty in miracles, and the power of the collective, you know, where two or more gathered, expands the energy exponentially. And then we are also calling upon the earth and all the kingdoms. And the key step in Anchor the Dream is that we're then bundling all that up, sending it to the creator for sanctions. Like, is there anything else, creator, that you would add or anything else that you would take away to make this sanctionable by you, truly as for, by, and with the highest and highest and only the highest good of all concerned. This is the this is the advanced level. This is the way where you're going to make a creation that you personally can sanction. You're not going to worry about using your power, your God power, because you know every fiber of your being that you've just got this checked out by all stakeholders, including the, including the prime creator. <laughs> So you know that you can go forth and imagine it and do everything you can to birth it in, you know, you know, with, with great um, calmness and ease in your mind. And so then so each group would then play that 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 play that they have back to the larger group and everyone would then get a chance to reality create on together by witnessing the play, by acting out the play, you're literally downloading these new blueprints, these new energetic thought forms into the collective consciousness of humanity as a new possibility. Now, Barbara Marks Hubbard has talked about the new sphere for years and years, and this is the, the collective consciousness. This is the energy, the thought form energy around the planet, which all beings have access to at all times. And again, like the guy in China who might be inspired to, you know, do some make some new ocean cleansing thing because of your visionary stewardship, so too will that 
activism come out, you know, from the anchor of the dream energy, and now all of that cosmic energy imprinted with the thought patterns, you know, is now available to all of humanity and to all kingdoms of nature on this planet at this time. And one thing that we like to talk about in Anchor the Dream is the, the matter and the pattern. And so if we think of matter as mother and pattern, potter, father, you have a divine substance. There is this substance, which is mana, light, cosmic ormus. It is the stuff of which everything that is made is made. And it is the primary substance. Now, the pattern is the seed imprinted with certain codes, certain thought forms, certain ideas, like making a specific human unique to itself or making a new device or in the case of Anchor the Dream, maybe you're imagining a new educational system, something like that. So that, that pattern, when it gets imprinted with that matter, that divine substance, that divine cosmic mana entering, you know, manifesting in effulgent, effervescent, overflowing unlimitedness forever, we do have access to that level of abundance. That's how we create. We imprint the pattern of our choosing upon the matter. And so this is, you know, the end goal. This is the experience in Anchor the Dream. And this is why it's so much fun. And people have said, it's one of the most fun things you've ever done in your life, ever. Ridiculous amounts of fun. People have reported healings happening right in the room because you've got the entire cosmos backing you up on creating something that's beneficial to humanity at this time together collaboratively with a whole bunch of people who are doing the same thing. So it's an extremely joyful experience. And I've only done it a couple of times a year for the last five years or so, and I would love to be doing more of that and also teaching others to lead the Anchor Dream experience because it's it's just off the chain. It's such a gift, and I feel grateful for having received that upon asking of how I could help. Now, do you have a uh, Anchor the Dream planned come uh, coming up at all? At no, I I don't have one right now. However, my summer is open, and so I'm excited about. You know, after we complete on Earth Day SF, I will be looking to um, set up some of those events in some of the cities that I'll be in. I mean, you really need, like, a full-time staff coming forward and saying, (laughs) okay, you know, here we are. I think that should be your next request. Uh, I said I'm telling you, Laura, this is amazing. Now, you just brought up um, Earth Day SF, San Francisco. Let's let's chat about that a bit. This is very yeah, exciting. Absolutely. It's really exciting, and you get to play, too. You guys get to be there with me. I'm so stoked. Yes, it's going to be very so exciting. I love this. Like, I'm just, the, the playground has opened up, and uh, thank you. <laughs> so much for inviting us in. I'm just like, oh, this is wonderful. So so tell us all about it because you you are so actively involved um in this in this really incredible event in San Francisco uh on Saturday, April the 23rd. Yes. It's at Civic Center Plaza in downtown San Francisco, very accessible by BART and the public bus system. So it's, you know, advised really to 
suit that public system on that day to avoid having to walk long distances parking. You know, I'm, sh I'm sure there will be plenty of parking around, but you can also you can ride your bike, you know, and really go for the Earth Day thing if you're in the vicinity. Um, and uh, basically, uh, Doug Kohlberg of Green Zone Productions and Sandra of One World, One Voice and, and Melanie of Empowerment Works came together to initiate this festival. And as I got brought in by my friend Jay Ma of Living Mandala, and I kind of dove in as I tend to do and saw what was needed and so then got more involved and, you know, Doug um, basically is calling me a co-producer at this point. And so we have a speaker's tent that's very robust, filled with many different speakers who are going to be talking on eco-conscious topics. And then we also have a main stage with music, musical performances and smaller um, little five-minute pieces by speakers. Uh, Jay Mob Living Mandela and David Ortiz are putting on a permaculture zone that is going to have a bunch of speakers, and I'm going to be doing a 10-minute Earth Connection experience there, and or 15 minutes, I think. And then, um, you know, there is also a wellness zone where I've brought in Heather of Raw Bay Area to produce a seven-course, seven you should say, Raw Chef Showcase, where they'll be making seven different delicacies and uh, for people to to witness and experience how to make a sustainable feast. Because again, you know, eating the fruits right from the earth, encouraging people to do that more and more will get them healthy, but it'll also be more sustainable for the planet's ecology. So that's why that's at Earth Day. And, uh, you know, lots of kids' activities. There's an alternative vehicle showcase. Um, and uh, at this, and, and you know, hands-on workshops at the permaculture zone. There's just going to be so much there. So many nonprofit organizations are going to be out there be artists and dancing and music and, you know, belly dancing and celebration. And so it was really cool when we connected Dr. Dream because, you know, when you can you know, I was feeling your presence there and you were too. And then since our speaker slots were all pretty much booked up, we, we, we came up with the idea, which ties back now, you might understand a little bit more about visionary stewardship and why I suggested that idea because you have Dream Reality New Earth which is exactly aligned with all these things that we've been talking about. And so we decided that you guys would create a, a large canvas, 5 by 20, for people to paint the pictures and images of what they visualize the new earth can be like, what it can be like when we're in harmony and ecologically sound and eco-villages and cooperation. So I'm really stoked that's going to be at the speaker's tent. And Ilya, I understand you'll be there too. And Dr. Dream's yes. team... <laughs> I will be co-facilitating that definitely. <laughs> Go ahead. And I see that being connected right to the speaker's tent itself. So, you know, have an opportunity to interact with people who are on the stage, and you know, it's kind of like live painting, but you don't have to be a expert painter to participate. You just have to have a desire to express yourself of what what's possible on the planet. <laughs> I love it, and it is all about self-expression and, you know, just really, uh, you know, expressing your creative abilities and just letting it flow. Um, and, now, And the further, hold on, before we move on from that, the further beauty of that is it's self-expression within the collective and and that 
that each person's self-expression is is integrated and and uh, you know woven in with with everyone else's, which is really what what the earth and Gaia is calling for now is like for all of us to come together. It's the it's the um, into the the time of collaboration of of us really being aware that it's not just about the individual. There's a reason that that we're all here together. And I got so excited when we started talking about this. And it was just a, a few weeks ago, I guess, and I was down in Costa Rica, and it was just like, oh, my gosh, this is amazing. And now we've also extended ourselves to doing this at uh, the Harmony Festival, which is uh, June 10, 11, and 12, up in uh, Sonoma County in Northern California, and so uh, it's uh, it's just really exciting to 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 take these the, these concepts. For me, we we talk about in in the visualizations and and the energetics of it and and everything, and and to give it this form that's so you know right there in our hands and and uh, you know in front of our eyes. So uh, what fun that's going to be! Love it. Yes, absolutely. Hands on. <laughs> yes, it's like expressing the macrocosm within the 5 by 20 microcosm. And uh, <laughs> yes, I absolutely love it. Um, and again, now, imprinting, imprinting our consciousness with those images and the the consciousness of all those who are there. You know, every every image, every sound, every song on the radio, every TV show imprints us and so our you know choice is to start imprinting ourselves and the consciousness of the collective with stuff we actually want (laughs) yes yes ushering in the new earth and it was already here (laughs) (laughs) we just have to wipe the dust off of it well that's an interesting thing yes Ilya it's just the overlay that has been put upon the natural order. The natural order of things didn't go away. Our connection didn't go away. We just masked it. It became hidden by the line of thinking that allowed us to think that we were separate from others. I like to talk about Humpty Dumpty as a model. Actually, in a book that I've channeled in and written from the Star Elders, which is not yet released, which is going to be released soon, I can't even say I've written, I've transcribed it, let's say, Sanat Kumara talks about Humpty Dumpty. Humpty Dumpty had a great. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. And sadly, the story ended there. Huh? The world is broken. The world egg cracked. Smithereens egg all over the floor. Nothing we can do about it, I guess. Well, <laughs> the story doesn't really stop there. Whom? Humpty has the whom of humanity, whom, inside of it. And that egg, that consciousness of wholeness, that original seed pattern of humanity is is restorable. And the king's horses and the king's men are, in fact, not going to be able to put it together again, are they? We've tried that, been there, done that. Power, control, force power over others, you know, that's not how it works. The way that it happens is by remembering or putting back together our consciousness and our awareness of the 
unified resonant energy field among, between, above, below, around, about, all beings and all things at all times. This is the energy. This is what's going to put Humpty back together again. Is our cautious recollection, remembering, and restoration of our awareness and resonance in that unified resonant energy field. Mm. Yes, beautiful. Now, I wanted to ask you a question because I know you're really um, into the raw foods and the permaculture, and this is something that's going to be um, really major at Earth Day San Francisco. So I want you just to talk a little bit about raw food and, you know, why have we got into the idea that we have to cook our food and, you know, why 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 should we eat raw food? You know, I just want you to talk a little bit about that. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, well, my personal theory about why we started eating cooked food has to do with the ice age. And this also has to do with my personal theory, also backed up by others. Clearly, I read it from others and, and, and you know, meditated on it, um, of when we probably started eating animals as well. So, you know, many of the ancient scriptures have within them codes and codexes and, you know, ways that have to do with eating raw foods, whether it's the scriptures of the Ayurveda or the Essenes, or the Taoists, um, or native peoples around the world, they they eat, they would eat food fresh off the vine. And even right there in our own scripture, from the Judeo-Christian perspective, there is a saying in Genesis, you know, thou shalt have the fruit of seed-bearing trees and the herbs of the field for your meat. And as I progress in time as raw food is I become more and more inclined toward the fruits and the herbs, really, quite honestly. <laughs> it's interesting. But, you know, I feel that the Ice Age came, there wiped out plant life, and it was cold, so we started learning, those who survived learned to make fire, at which point the animals, the native legends say, at which point the animals came and said, kill us and eat our bodies so that you can survive. So that was a habit of survival, it was a gift given by the animal kingdom to help humanity, yet even though it wasn't needed after the Ice Age, it still was retained as a practice. And many of the uh, scientists and doctors who study the human body and physiology look at it and say that the human body is not designed as a meat eater. The human body has a very long, more alkaline, acidic tract designed to slowly pull out nutrients from plant foods and it has a variety of different types of teeth designed to pull apart and chomp and squish plants. Whereas a tiger or a lion or a puma or a dog, they have long fangs. Uh, they have a different kind of jaw structure for ripping and shredding. They have a personal desire to go out and hunt and attack and kill and eat that food, and, and their digestive tract is very short and highly acid in order to push that food through. A lot of the disease in our bodies comes from putrefaction of food, um, sitting and eating too much, having it sit in there too long. And just imagine, you know, if you took a, a salmon, a dead cooked salmon, put it into a 98.6 degree container for three or four days, you know, what's it going to do in there? It's going to rot. 
And so, you know, disease starts in the intestines. And it also, you know, health is reclaimed through the intestines, too, by starting to ingest these raw natural foods who have their enzymes and vitamins and minerals intact in them. And the body, again, if we go back to the electrical system of the body, what does the battery need? A battery needs waters and minerals to run, right? So if we think about our bodies being so depleted of these same minerals, what we really want to start getting back into us is minerals and proper hydration because also the foods of our culture are extremely dehydrating. So whether a person's going to go all raw or just starting adding more raw foods to your diet, you know, either one is highly recommended to also just become very hydrated. And of course, if you stick with the produce as much as possible, then you're going to get hydration right from those plants as well. And if you think of an old person looking sort of prunish, well, what is a prune? It's a dehydrated fruit. So really looking to our water and to a clean, pure source of water, ultimately spring water from the headwaters of a, of a mountain is ideal. And other than that, reverse osmosis, maybe with a pinch of salt in it to remineralize and restructure it a little bit. Um, and, you know, starting to follow your intuition. And again, talk to the earth about what to eat because the earth mother will guide you even about your pattern of food that you're eating. So there's a lot more I could say about that, but we're, you know, it's a starter for starters. Yeah, that was that was a great explanation, and um, you know I could see you know even now that a lot of people are starting to get away from uh, especially heavy meats such as beef and pork, um, and you know getting into eating more vegetables and fruits, and uh, you know more and more people are getting into the raw diet, and it's it's an amazing phenomenon that's happening right now, and I could. You know, it truly resonates to me that it's it's something that will benefit all of us in the long run. Yeah, absolutely. And as you're saying that, I'm reminded that, you know, not only does there end up being benefits of our physical body, many people experience healing. Uh, we were just up in D.C., and there's a woman who started a, a Naya. Um, it, she started a raw food um, uh, workshop, week-long workshop, for people who are ill at the National... Um, Integrated Health Associates, where a bunch of doctors are doing very cool alternative things, and then she's adding raw food, and the doctors are coming to her like, what are you doing to these people? They're like getting well. <laughs> like <laughs> cancer patients and everything. She's like, well, I'm feeding them a medicinal raw food diet. And so not only is it having results in the world um, with the physical body, it also helps people feel clear-headed the intuition comes through clear. Basically, it goes back to energy again. If we think about flow, you know, we, we want to remove any obstructions we've created in our bodies from past eating habits and start to create and engender that flow of energy through our whole system. And then all of our chakras, the energy from our chakras, which is putting cosmic intelligence into our system, can actually flow into the whole physical experience if we are not obstructing it with sticky, gummy cooked foods, like the grain, heavy grains and things like that. Yes, and again, you know, this whole uh, shift that's going on, it's all about raising our frequency and yeah. eating raw foods and fresh fruits and vegetables allows us to, uh, you know, take in those higher vibrations, whereas the, the meats really, you know, brings us down and grounds us. So it's very important to start eating light and, you know, to allow the higher vibrations to come in and enter our being. 
Absolutely, and, and we can get grounded. We can get grounded in a healthy way with raw foods by eating things like carrots and, you know, the root vegetables and, and, you know, things like that. And, again, when you really, you know, I love all the raw foods packaged goods that are on the market. There are so many things available to help people transition, and those are transitional foods. And what's equally, if not more important, really, is to go out and start planting food in your backyard, growing sprouts, saving seeds, having access to these heirloom seeds and these non-GMO seeds, storing them, saving them, keeping the safeguard of seeds in every community is one vision that I have. To, you know, really important. And, and because, A, it's, it's, again, you're directly connected with the food you're growing and you can practice some of the stuff that Anastasia talks about in terms of putting the seeds in your mouth and getting your own DNA connected with them so that plant is in specifically nourishing your particular body. You know, there's lots of fun things we can do. Or, at the very least, starting to support the local farmer's markets and going to your, getting to know the organic farmers in your area and buying the food directly from them. You know, that, your CSAs and other things like that, community-supported agriculture, it's a really important piece of the puzzle. This engenders community. It also helps us be more connected to the earth itself, where we are, by eating those plants that are growing on that earth also supports those beings in continuing that by by giving them the, the resources and the money that they need to continue making that food. And it's like helping us connect with our local our local planet. So that you know if you're eating that food you're more likely to understand what the earth is doing where you are. I love it. Absolutely. And you know, all these things, eating healthy and just, you know, being with the earth. Uh, you know, touching the earth, uh, you know, running with bare feet. I think all of those things are are very essential. Now, do you have any other recommendations that we can do in order to, you know, make this transition a lot, you know, easier and gentler and with more grace and ease in addition to those things? Absolutely. Well, one really easy way to get started uh, if you if you're just really just getting going with it is or even if you've been at it for a while but, you know, have struggles or what have you, is just to shift your breakfast orientation. And, you know, while I stay here in Richmond, Virginia, my dear friend Sylvia Flute makes me a green smoothie every single morning. It's absolutely amazing. And basically what that means is you've got a bunch of greens and a bunch of fruit and some water packed into your Vitamix or your blender, and you're blending that up and you're drinking it. And it's absolutely delicious. You could add your supplements if you wanted, like your vitamin greens or your tablespoon of flax oil or, you know, your protein powder or whatever. Or you could just do the fruits and the and the leaves. And or you could do a fruit smoothie in the morning. Um, I've stopped mixing my fats with my fruits, so now I just do a plain fruit smoothie if, I'm, if that's what I'm doing in the morning. And what that'll do is it'll jumpstart your day with a whole lot of energy. It'll it'll keep your you know give your liver a break in terms of having to process any fats for a while, um, still yet because it's still cleaning from the day before and the night before. And it'll give your body you know tons of vitamins and minerals. Some doctors even are you know working with uh, the Green Smoothie Book by Victoria Butenko because they're finding that their patients get well just adding green smoothies to their diet. So really, if somebody just added a green smoothie in or a fresh fruit smoothie every day, you know, make sure all that stuff's organic too. It's really important. And then after you've done that for a while, you could move on to your lunch, and you could be like, oh, okay, I'm going to start having once that that breakfast is grounded. Then 
smooch your lunch and maybe make a really delicious, yummy salad with, you know, you can put all kinds of things in your salad. You can put nuts and seeds. Hopefully you've soaked them to make them more bioavailable to you. You can chop up all kinds of vegetables. I personally don't like mixing fruits with vegetables, but that kind of depends on your physiology and whether your body can tolerate it or not. And, you know, then pack that for lunch or, or make it for lunch. And then all you've got left is dinner where maybe you're still eating the same foods that you usually eat for a while. Maybe you're starting to eliminate the hardest of those foods like the white flowers and the, the meats and the dairy and you're, you know, starting to eliminate um, anything processed and just going to a more whole food cooked and cooked and raw vegan diet at night. You know, and, you know, it's good to do these things over a couple weeks. That's what's going to bring the ease and grace. If you go cold turkey, it can be a little more painful Either way, though, you should simultaneously be doing the cleansing, such as enemas and drinking a lot of herbal tea and things like that, um, getting on an intestinal cleansing program, that kind of thing, to start, you know, you know, escorting things that don't belong in there out. <laughs> mm, great. Thank you so much. That was a beautiful, beautiful explanation. Yeah, and that's now, Laura, the ice there's so many resources available online. People can just Google raw foods these days and find all kinds of recipes and teachers. Beautiful. And you've really been supporting the leaders in uh, in the industry, in the, the, the raw industry, as, as it were. Earlier, I guess it was early February, I was not, uh, I was out of the country and missed the event, but you hosted a very successful um, event that brought a lot of attention to a lot of wonderful people making a difference um, in getting um, the word, not just the word out about raw foods, but really the best raw foods out there. Tell us a little bit about that event. Sure. That event is called Best of Raw, and you can find the results of this year's contest at bestofraw.net. And it started three years ago a couple of weeks away from maybe a month or so away from New Year's where a lovely girl from Spain named Giselle uh, suggested, she's like, you have, a, she's, you have a radio show? You should do a contest. Like, you know, best of raw. <laughs> and they'll be she's like, yes, you could have categories like sexiest raw man and sexiest raw woman. <laughs> but lo and behold, it sounded so outrageous and fun that I did it. And uh, I just, you know, did it very basically in that first year. And we had like maybe 18 categories or something, and I gathered prizes and I, you know, had the contest. And, you know, it was a lot of fun. And I had like two, two or 3,000 people voted just from my little personal efforts. And I was like, wow, that's pretty intense. So when the next year rolled around, people were interested in having me do it again. And so I expanded it and um, had a, got a little more organized with it have some sponsors so I could actually start getting paid a little bit for all these things that I do, which is wonderful. So, so much thanks to all the sponsors who have been supporting it. And so in its second year, I had 6,000 voters and, uh, you know, uh, something like uh, 28 categories. And so now in its third year, Best of Raw, I ha there were 10,000 unique votes on the site and and 45, more than 45 categories of people, places, media, and products the raw foods movement. So as you said, yes, it's really holding space for the emergence and strengthening of the raw foods as an industry. And so that contest happens in the fall, and people can sign up to get alerts about it at bestofraw.net, which will also give you my regular newsletter where I do daily or weekly inspiration, the thought of the week, and 
other articles and things all this, about the events that we're all doing and, and that kind of stuff. So bestofraw.net or visionaryculturadio.com, people can sign up for those semi-occasional newsletters. And, uh, yeah, so Best of Raw was born. It turned into me also doing contests occasionally, such as the Truly Rock Cow Recipe Contest. I do have a Truly Rock a Cow Recipe book that's about to come out as an ebook gift for people who subscribe on the site. So if you want to have the winning recipes from last year's three Truly Rock a Cow Recipe Contests, then also sign up on that site for that. And, uh, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Best of Raw seems to have a life of its own, and it segues with the Raw Trade Alliance which also is a the birth of a trade association for the raw foods movement. So my mission there is as the visionary founder of that organization, and, which is building now. So people inspired about that can contact me at laura at visionaryculture.com. I love it. Just, just how one person can have such a tremendous impact all over the place and really in... in in everything that you're doing now, I had the opportunity to uh, go to uh, an event, uh, I guess it was in March, and uh, this was exciting because I had just gotten back from uh, Japan and uh, had met, uh, crossed paths with uh, Goodney Goodnison and mm. uh, did an event with him in Japan, and uh, while I was there, he said, listen, we've, we've got a premiere screening of a new film in Los Angeles next week. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to be back. And he said, well, we'd love to have you there. And so I didn't know anything about it. Oh, really? And, of course, I, I, yeah, I had no idea. I, I'd been away for four or five weeks by that time. And uh, I come back, and uh, it's, the, it's the talk of you know my circles everyone's talking about this film and uh lo and behold i get there and and who is you know like the person in charge just the mover and the shaker making everything happen but but you laura and so tell us tell us about this film and, and your involvement and and uh everything Absolutely. Well, this we bring in now Michael Perlin, uh, my dear, 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 dear friend um, and brother, who had the inspiration to come to Hollywood and make this film. He knew there was a message he needed to deliver to humanity and therefore got a regular job and landed in L.A. and became absolutely determined to complete this film, to discover the message and complete the film. So, you know, over the last four or five years, he's been been producing this film, and um, I've been holding space for him with him as a friend, advising him, helping him with various aspects of life, looking at earlier iterations of the film, making suggestions, helping him uh, with some of the wording and segmenting, and, you know, he would show me the film, and then I would comment and, you know, suggest changes here and there, um, and so I, I was uh, involved in the early days in that manner, sort of just behind the scenes as Michael's friend, and it just ended up building and building that every time we'd be together, I would be helping him with this film. And then, you know, in the recent months when he was full on completing it, he, you know, asked me to help him with the the, the L.A. debut, which I was delighted and honored to do, of course. And I also got to help him even more with the editing and things like that. And I actually did some 
sound editing with them, which was really fun. And um, so, you know, I kind of, it's my segue back into filmmaking uh, because, you know, my background at American University is as a filmmaker. And um, so that was really fun for me. And so now Michael is going to be going on tour with the film. Of course, when we debut it, we did the raw foods and had DJ Sharu there and, you know, just pulled it together as a community party. It was a very high event. And the three magic words truly are magical and no, we're not going to tell you what they are. You have to see the film. <laughs> but there's a reason for that because it's sort of a process that you go through as you as you move through the film. It's an experience into itself in our awakening of our consciousness. And um, so highly recommended to see it. A lot of people are saying they feel that it's better than The Secret. Uh, now, we didn't have the, you know, Michael didn't have that full-on budget as The Secret did, but he was able to do something spectacularly amazing for what he you know, with the resources at hand and the content is truly remarkable. He really holds space for a major, major shift in human consciousness. So I'm honored and delighted to be a part of that. Yeah, I will tell you that that film was that that whole evening, um, which, of course, was all about the film, and um, the theater in Los Angeles was to capacity, people sitting on the floor. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it was really... Lots of light workers in that audience. Um, lots of people that are out there making a difference. So it was really like um, singing to the choir. But I will tell you that even based on that, you felt the energy come up in all of us uh, from watching that film. And uh, my own uh uh, excitement about it, and uh, in the spirit of collaboration, we have stepped forward, uh, Dr. Dream and the New Earth Center of Light out of Costa Rica, and have uh, uh, we will be taking the film throughout Latin America, throughout uh, Mexico, Central America, and South America, and screening it. And so uh, it's very exciting. And then I, I met with Michael the other day, and we're going to be doing some things here in the states uh with some of uh some of our dream reality new earth events and uh Michael will be there and screen the film and and do some Q&A so uh i just love how in this community of ours uh there's just no boundaries to how we can assist each other uh and 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 through that collaboration, uh, really make a difference. And, and what I'm saying with that uh, is is pretty much the example that, that Laura Fox, that you give to, to all of us. And um, this is great. Now, now the funny thing is we're, we're about three minutes till, uh, till our broadcast is over tonight, and I bet we could go another couple of hours talking about other projects and events and, you know, what's on your plate. And uh, so we would love to, I know I speak for myself and Ilya, we would just love for you to uh, come back to Dream Reality New Earth Radio at a later date and uh, uh, continue to uh, play with us as we as we have fun and get good information out and uh, uh, inspire each other and... Um, Anyone else who's who's open to it? 
Thank you. I I would love to. I in fact I I cannot believe this hour and a half is almost over, and I do have a desire in me to speak more into, you know, why what are the blockages to reality creation? How do we clear that up? You know, where do we how do we get from where we are in our conscious with all our subconscious material and past life stuff to where we want to be as full on extensions of creator and form, leveraging that power to bring forth glory and goodness in our world. So. Yeah, that, we could do that in an hour and a half. <laughs> <laughs> so look, you even you even leave us with a with a topic for the uh, the sequel broadcast. So um, that's that's absolutely perfect, and that's just that's the way you are. Your mind never stops working and um, uh, providing opportunities for so many people to to learn and expand and. Um, and evolve as you have uh, you have paved the way for for so many of us. So, I mean, really, for me, thank you so much for just being this ongoing inspiration and for um, em- embracing what it is that uh, that I do and that that I'm about, and finding ways to integrate it uh, with what you do, and and being a, a, an amazing connector. Uh, so thank you so very, very much. Oh, thank you, honey. Thank you both. I love you guys. And, uh, yes. yeah, warm blessings out to everybody listening. And, you know, we can do this thing. We can do it together. That's our destiny. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much, Laura, for me, from my heart. I just want to also thank you. And I truly appreciate all your work and with the raw food movement and everything that you're doing. And before um, we end, I just want you to share um, your website so that people know how to contact you for all the events that you have going, if you can do that. Sure thing. Thank you. Yes, we have bestofraw.net. We have visionaryculture.com. And that has a little more about me and some inspiration. It actually has a page where you can post your visions. And then... Um, as a starter to the Visionary Stewardship expanded version. And then we also have VisionaryCultureRadio.com, which has the show's archives there. You can also find me on Blog Talk Radio if you search Visionary Culture, and that's where you find the entire archives over the last three years. Thank you very, very much. Awesome. Thank you so much, Laura and uh, Dr. Dream. Well, we will be back next week with a very special guest. Please look for that announcement. And uh, this will be uh, another wonderful broadcast. And, uh, yeah, this is, uh, this is it. This is, the, this is the time right now for all of us. Thank goodness we're all here together. I love you all. Thank you, Ilya. Thank you, Laura. And... Thank God and Goddess for all that is. We'll be back. Blessings of love. Thank you. Aloha.